It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Becky Ware is the owner of Living the Dream Quilt Shop in Bridgeport, West Virginia. And that's exactly what she's doing, living her dream. And through her dream, she is helping others to live their dream. Becky is one of the friendliest people you will ever meet. And I love how so many of the people that have come to her shop have become her friends. I'm so thankful for the friendship that she has offered me. Becky, thank you so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life. Thank you for having me. I I really am so happy to be here. Great. Tell me about where were you born and raised? I was born in Buchanan, West Virginia, which is really close to where I'm at now. And until I was seven, I was raised with my grandparents and my mother in Buchanan. And then she married a Navy man. And we did a lot of moving around until I turned 18 and I ended up in Tennessee. And then when I was 26 and I had four of my six sons now, I ended up moving back to West Virginia. Oh, wow. Back home. Yes. Do you have a special memory of Buckcannon or when you were traveling? My favorite memories all gather around my grandmothers, especially my grandma Anderson. She was just the most warm and wonderful person they both were, actually. But my grandma Anderson practically raised me, and she was one of the warmest, kindest women I've ever known. And I just had so much fun with her, especially later in life when I moved back home. When I was away from home, my fondest memories She would call me when I was around her every night at 9 o'clock to check on me. But when I was away, we used to have long-distance calling, which cost money. And she would call me every Saturday night at 9. And for a couple weeks, I was young and dumb and actually living with an alcoholic. And so we were having a lot of problems, and I didn't want my grandma to know, so I wasn't answering the phone. And... She called the police station in Lone Oak, Arkansas, and made the police come over to tell me that I had to come with them and call my grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) There's no fooling grandma, is there? (laughs) There's no fooling grandma. (laughs) She sounds like a very loving person. She was. She was terrific. And her name was Madeline. And I named my quilting machine Maddie after my grandmother. Oh, neat. Now, I know you have a quilt shop, but did you have any other employment? I do. I'm actually the general manager for a water utility, Tri-County Water Association in Shinston, West Virginia. And I'm still working that job and running the quilt shop. Oh, wow. Yes, I'm working about 16 to 18 hours a day now, seven days a week. (laughs) Oh, my. But I love them both, so I can't give them up. Yeah. So how did it come about that you worked for the water company? 
I was actually working in a photography studio part-time and cleaning house. I had my own house cleaning business. And the photographer's girlfriend, her dad was the president of the Water Association. And he would come around from time to time. And he said, I just love your personality. Why don't you come work at the water utility? We need an office manager. And I told him I'd never worked in water and I had my own business and I wasn't interested. And about six months later, he said, Becky, we fired the new manager. We can't keep anybody in there. And I would love to have you. So he talked me into it and I went and started working there and it became like Mayberry RFD. Mm -hmm. My customers come in and have coffee and talk to me while I'm working. They're all like family to me. I know their families and it's just the most wonderful place in the world to work. And I've got one of the greatest coworkers in the world that he's out in the field and I work part-time out in the field too. So it's just a wonderful place to work. And then when my late husband and I split up, I gave my husband the house and I moved up to here in Philippi where I'm at now. And I moved up to Bridgeport, which is part of the tri-county water area. I moved on the water line And it was just like moving home to family. I thought I would be really upset, but they all surrounded me and kept me perked up. And they're just really wonderful people. So that's how I got up in Bridgeport from Philippi. Wow. And today is my 15th anniversary at the water company. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I bet that time has gone so fast, you can't believe it's been that long. It really, really has. Yes, it has. Is there anything else you would like to tell me about your family and growing up? I have six wonderful boys. I have three in the military, one in the Navy that's a senior chief, and two in the Air Force. I've got the senior chief is based in Virginia, and I have three granddaughters with him. And then my second oldest lives here and works for the post office. My third oldest lives in San Antonio, and he's in the Air Force and has two beautiful grandbabies, grandsons for me. And then my fourth, he's in Germany, stationed in the Air Force. My fifth son lives here in the family home and works for a local lumber place. And then my sixth son, my late husband and I adopted seven years ago and he's 12 now and he's with me and he's just a wonderful angel. He's actually had a job on a farm since he was nine and he makes $10 an hour working on a farm. So they're all boys. I was hoping for a girl and I thought when I adopted, I would get a girl that they called me and they had a boy. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up with six sons. Wow, that's great. Besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or have done? Oh, I've done a lot. Knitting, crocheting, cross-stitch. I used to love cross-stitch until I became a grandma and couldn't see well enough to do it anymore. I used to do stamping up and try campaigns, and I love anything crafty. Mm Mm-hmm. How about other hobbies? I'm pretty much an outdoorsy girl. I just took up hunting a couple years ago and got my first buck. I love to camp and 
hike and go fishing. Fishing's a favorite of mine and four-wheeling. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of a tomboy that likes to quilt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking how busy you are. That's great. Do you think any of these hobbies of yours show up in your quilting? I was thinking about that when I saw your questions. My quilts, I like like Moda's Kansas Troubles. They're more of a old-time, traditional material, and I use a lot of that, a lot of denims, a lot of uh, country style. And I've got a lot of the more modern in the shop, and I'm starting to like the brighters and the more modern, too, but... I always seem to fall back on the more traditional, old-style kind of quilting. Mm-hmm. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. That would be my grandma and some of my aunts, both of my grandmas. My grandma dad has been used to, she would always have a frame up in the living room, and my aunts and my cousins would come in, and they would hand-stitch, and my grandma Anderson Mainly, she did clothing, and my mom did clothing, and my grandma would make quilts. She would make the old polyester quilts that you tied a lot. They always wanted to teach me quilting, and my only regret in life is that I never learned. I never wanted to. And after they both passed away, when I began having the, well, right before my oldest grandchild was born, I started wanting to do quilts, and I wish I would have let them teach me. Yeah. So what did you do? Did you end up taking a class or a friend? I did. My best friend talked me into taking a class, and then she showed me a quilt in a book that I've actually got hanging in the shop right now. It was an orange peel quilt. And she said, I really want that quilt. And I thought, well, I'm going to make that for her. So I started it out, and if you've ever seen an orange peel quilt, it's rounded. So when you try to sew it together, you've got the middle seam that meets, but it's like half of it's facing up and half of it's facing down. And I thought, oh, no, how do you sew this together? So I took it to Sue at the Elkins Sewing Store in Elkins, where I took the class. And I said, can you tell me how this is sewn together? And she started laughing and she said, Becky, you picked the hardest quilt ever for your first (laughs) quilt. She said, if you manage to finish this, you will be a quilter. And I would go there and take classes, and I always told Sue, I hope one day I can be just like you. And that's my goal. I don't know if I'll ever be as good as Sue is or as big as Sue is, but I am hoping to one day at least be a lot like her. Oh, neat. Do you have a favorite quilt? Well, My favorite quilt is the Dresden plate, but I have never actually done a Dresden plate quilt. My goal is to do one, and I want to do a Dresden in each of my favorite fabrics that I've saved, do a different Dresden circle in each one. But so far, that and the Millefiori quilt. I'd love to do a Millefiori. I'm not familiar with that. Can you describe it for me? Well... When I started picking out some of this brighter material for my customers, there is a girl named Tula Pink that is really, really big now. And she did a Millefiori quilt. 
And it's a pattern, and it's a very small and tight pattern, but she did hers bigger. It's kind of circles with little patterns, little triangles inside, and it kind of reminds me of a kaleidoscope. That sounds so really that's neat. That's another one, yes. The time constraints, the only reason I haven't <laughs> tried to do one yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's always something good to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And what tool... Do you love so much you just feel you couldn't quilt without? My rotary cutter. Well, my rotary cutter and there is a strip ruler and it has 20 inches on it and it has little places you can slide your cutter and you can cut strips and squares so quickly with it. That is fast becoming my favorite thing to use. Oh, neat. Now, do you carry that in your shop? I do. I absolutely do. Three sizes of it. (laughs) (laughs) I've thought about those, but I haven't started looking for one yet. They are wonderful. You come down and have coffee with me, and I will show you how to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite part of the quilting process, or do you like each step? I love each step. The binding used to be the worst part for me. But a friend of mine, Mary Hudson, I used to sew them on. And she taught me how to sew it on the front and hand bind it on the back. So I started doing that. I'm pretty good at the binding now. I've never been good at hand stitching. I was telling you about my grandma having the quilting frame at home. And she used to belong to a little quilting group in Union. And they were called the Sew-and-Sews. And she took me up there with her one day and thankfully... Somebody took a picture of all of us the only time I was there. But I went up there, and I was sitting there trying to help them sew. And Mary Edith, my uncle's mother-in-law, came over to me with a little hoop and some fabric. And she said, Becky, I want you to go over there and sit in that corner and practice straight stitching. (laughs) So I got kicked out my first day. But I love every part. I love picking the fabric out, cutting it, putting it together, quilting it. I love every part of it now. And now, when I do the binding, I always sit and watch a good movie while I'm binding a quilt. And now that I have the long arming, I bind a lot of quilts. And it's just very relaxing to me. So I love every part of it now. Neat. Why do you make quilts? What's drawing you to make them rather than spend your time doing something else? It's just very relaxing and very rewarding when you get the quilt done and you see what you've done. Just a very rewarding thing. Makes you feel really good about yourself. And when you're giving them to somebody, makes them feel good, too. It's kind of like a warm hug. It is. Who do you usually make your quilts for? I have always made my quilts for friends and family. I've never made myself a quilt yet. And when I do the Dresden plate, that's what I want to do. Make one for myself. But I've made them for my sons, my granddaughters, my best friend, my late husband. Never made one for me. Mm. Isn't that amazing how that works? Yes. Yes. Are you working on a special project right now? I am actually working on two quilts for my daughter-in-laws for Christmas that I hope to get done, but they may not get done in time. (laughs) (laughs) 
share a quilting tip. My biggest quilting tip is from newbies to older quilters, not old, but that have been quilting longer. Everybody gets upset when they're ripping seams and especially the newer quilters. And my biggest quilting tip is to remember that your seam ripper is your best friend and there is no perfect quilt. One of my grandmothers used to say, if you give somebody a perfect quilt, they'll have nightmares under it, to which I now say nobody will ever have a nightmare under any of my quilts. And the other grandma used to say, if you have a quilt that doesn't have any mistakes, it wasn't made with love. And when I asked her why she said that one day, she said, because if you made it perfect, you spent too much time cussing while you were making it. (laughs) (laughs) So the seam ripper is your best friend. That's great. Well, describe how you went from having quilting as your hobby. I assume you started it with a hobby and it became your business. As I told you, my husband and I, my late husband, we had split up in 2016, but we remained the best of friends. We had kids together, and Jeff would still come over for Sunday dinner, and we would still hang out together. He'd stop by, or I'd come over this way. And Jeff, in 2019, was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, and I moved him into my house in Bridgeport. I was closer to a hospital and closer to anything he might need. So I moved him back in with me and took care of him. And his sons came in and helped me take care of him until he passed. Well, a few nights before Jeff passed, he called all the boys in and talked to him. And he turned around to me and he said, Becky, look at me. He said, you don't want to be like this. There's so much. I wish I would have done, and I didn't do. He said, go live your dreams right now. Don't get like me and regret not living them. He said, open the quilt shop, do what you want to do, and do it right now while you still can. I would have probably never done this if he hadn't said that to me, and I would have never had the nerve or the gumption to do this, and thus the name Living the Dream, because of Jeff, I am now living my dream. Wow. That's such a hard story, and yet you got your quilt shop out of it. Wow. Yes. So when did you open the shop? March 4th of this year. Okay. And how did you feel when that first customer walked in your door? I was so excited and nervous that Dottie Dillon was the first customer through the door, and I didn't know her. She came in. She got a coffee cup that says Living the Dream Quilt Shop. She bought a bunch of fabric, and she is now my fast friend. (laughs) (laughs) And she's an amazing quilter. Wow. Now, did I see you have classes at your shop? I do. We haven't been having classes lately because of COVID, but we're hoping to start up again soon. West Virginia's just become really rampant with COVID. And my biggest fear is anybody getting sick because of me. So we've tried to play it safe. I sanitize after every customer leaves. And we haven't had any classes due to the fact that the customers as well as I am trying to play it safe and 
not expose anybody and not have a bunch of people together that might expose people to it because there's a lot of elderly women that quilt. So mm-hmm. we just don't want anybody to get hurt. Right. Hopefully this will pass somewhat, but I think it's yes. going to help us to be safer in the future too. But when you first started offering classes, what was that like to see people come into your shop for a class? Oh, it's wonderful. And so far, most of my classes, I've had newer quilters. And it's just been so exciting because every one of them is still quilting and they were beginners. So it's really exciting seeing a new group of people come into the quilting world and experience it for the first time. That's really a lot of fun for me. And to hear their excitement when they're going to do another quilt. How neat that you know they're all still quilting. Yes. Well, the funny thing about me is once you're kind of in my world, there's a running joke with everybody that knows me that once you're in, you can't get out. (laughs) (laughs) We all become friends. I mean, with the live videos that I do on Facebook, I've got Linda in Idaho that has become a fast friend, B in Tennessee, Lori, and I think she's in Connecticut, but there is just a Shirley Shirky in Washington. They call me on the phone. We talk. We see each other on Facebook and talk to each other. And it's just amazing because the quilt shop has actually opened up a whole world of friends for me. And it's a lot of fun. We opened up what's called the Quilters Hangout. It's a group on the shop's Facebook page. And the girls will come in and post what they're working on, and the other girls comment on them. So they're getting to know each other, too. Like, we were on Thursday night, and one of the girls had a grandbaby. And everybody was congratulating her. And she's Judy from Texas. She's doing an apron for me and sending it to me in the mail. And it's just like we've become a group of wonderful friends. And it's just an amazing experience for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Quilters are great. You never meet a mean quilter. Mm-mm. And you mentioned having the long arm. So did you start professionally quilting for others before you opened the shop or after? The funny thing is, when I first got the idea, I was just going to do long arming. But then I realized that people needed backing and they needed batting. So I ordered that. Then I saw all this beautiful fabric, and I had to order some of that. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to order the fabric, I might as well order the notions, and thus became Quilt Shop. <laughs> <laughs> you had so it, it kind of all came together at once, yes. Long arming is a great part of the business. I have not been without a quilt to put on the long arm since I started, and that's been a wonderful, wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And getting to see everybody's quilts, that's the excitement for me, is they bring in these quilts that I would have never dreamed of doing. And these women are amazing quilters, and they bring in the most beautiful quilts. So it's wonderful for me to get to see all these quilts. It's kind of scary, too, because when they tell you, you pick out a pattern and you pick out the thread, you don't know what they like and what they don't like. So I'm always afraid, are they going to like this? Should I do something different? And so far, they've all really loved their quilts. So it's been a great experience. 
and now my boyfriend Cecil is doing a lot of the long arming too. And I hate to say it, but he's actually better at picking out patterns and thread than I am. He goes a little bit farther than I would have done because I try to play it safe. And he gets out there a little bit. And these girls really love these quilts that he's putting out. (laughs) It kind of upsets me sometimes. I'm like, hey, you're not allowed to be better at this than I am. Cecil actually built the quilt shop for me. It was my two-and-a-half-stall garage, and he made my dreams come to life with that one. He built it in. He built a bathroom in it. He built shelving for me, and he picked the color out for the walls, and that's another running joke of ours because everybody that comes in says, I love the color of the walls. And when he picked it out, I said, Cecil, no, no, no. It's like kind of a a dark blue, and I said, Cecil, I want bright yellow. I want it to be light and fun. And he said, Becky, it'll drown out the fabric. You want this color? And I was like, no, don't get that color. And he got it anyway, and he said, I'll try it, and if you don't like it, I'll change it. And everybody that walks in, the first thing they comment on is the color of the wall (laughs) and how wonderful it is. And I always tell him, shh, don't let him hear you say that. I watched a couple of your lives on Facebook, and now I'm going to have to go watch one and look at the walls. Yes, yes, look at the walls. (laughs) I could tell you were having fun, though, with the people that were typing. I have a blast, and I almost didn't do it, but because of COVID, I found that a lot of quilt shops were going live to sell material, and I thought, Oh, what the heck, I'll give it a try. And we actually watched a video the night before my first live. And as you watch videos on Facebook, it'll show you other live videos. And there was a girl in an apartment, and she was in a very dirty apartment. And she was having like a yard sale, and she sold a little dirty Snoopy doll. And she held it up, and I was laughing, and she sold it for $5. And I thought... She sold that, and then she held up a pot that looked like it had been used, (laughs) and she sold it for $2. And I thought, okay, if this girl can sell things online, I'm going to sell fabric online. And I was so nervous the first day. I thought I was going to get sick before I went on. And when I went on, the girls were so great, and I was having so much fun that I thought, this is wonderful. And it brought me all these customers from all these different states, and they are so loving and caring and kind. I mentioned in one of the first lives that I was trying to quit smoking and be from Tennessee, took it upon herself to start texting me twice a day to remind me to take my pills. (laughs) And she became a fast friend, and they're just wonderful people. So the live videos are really the bane of my existence. I get nervous before I go on, and then I get on, and it's wonderful. So Mm -hmm. it's really great. That is so neat. And I was looking at your website, and I noticed you had a tab there that said consignment. So tell me about that. When I first went into business, Linda Childers would come over. She owns the Stitching House in Buchanan, West Virginia, and she's a fabulous friend. And she actually 
done a couple of my first quilts, the orange peel quilt that I did for my best friend. She long armed and she's the one I bought my long arm from. She was one of the biggest supporters in talking me into going into business. So when I first started going live, we were doing it two quilt shops in one. And Linda would come over with me. So I would put her stuff in as consignment so it didn't come up as my income. And then a friend of mine had some tea towels that she was selling. And I said, bring them up. I'll put them on consignment. And so we did that. So now I've got a couple girls that's going to bring some things in, quilts and different things, and I'm going to put them on consignment. So once we get that started, we'll have a lot of things under consignment. That is so neat. I had not seen that before, and I think it's such a great idea. Yes, yes. Well, to me, I'm living the dream, and I want to help others live their dream, too. So I thought I can get them to bring their stuff in, and I don't make any money off any of the consignments so far. I just do it to let the girls sell their things. And like Judy in Texas, I told her, go on the Quilters Hangout, tell people you're making the aprons and get some orders. Because to me, all of us helping each other is just a wonderful thing. Then we all win. Mm-hmm. Where can we go to find Living the Dream Quilt Shop? I have a website at livingthedreamquiltshop.com. We're on Facebook at Living the Dream Quilt Shop, and I'm located at 2858 Corbin Branch Road, Bridgeport, West Virginia, 26330. I'm on Quilting Hub and Needle Travel, both of those apps. I have Living the Dream in West Virginia and Google. And your store right now, it has limited hours? Yes. Because of my other job, I've got a couple girls that I want to hire to come to work. They are wonderful girls. One of them quilts and one of them doesn't, but they have the personalities that people will just love. But my fear has been because I'm just trying to build the business and trying to get a bunch of fabric in. My fear has been, what if I don't make enough money one week to pay them? So I was open Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. And because of my other job, I work from 6.30 to 2.45, and I get to the shop by 3. And I'm open 3 to 7 Wednesday and Thursday, 11 to 7 Friday, and 11 to 4 on Saturday. And then I go live Thursday nights at 8.30 for tea and talks with Becky, where I give quilting tips and hints and little demonstrations. And then on Monday nights at 7.30, I do the live sales. Okay. And I'm going to mention we're in Eastern Standard Time. Yes, Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I had not heard of the Needle Travel app until you've just mentioned it on your live. I just found out about it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a great app. You can go to the different states. You can choose if you want Needlepoint quilting, crocheting, knitting, and different crafts. You can pick what you want, and it'll show you all the shops that sell that. That is going to be so neat for traveling, too. Yes. Is there any other story you wanted to share? 
I'll tell you a kind of funny one. And if, if people are on Facebook, they can go check it out. My middle son is the quietest son I have. He's very quiet and very reserved. So about six months before I opened the quilt shop, my son calls me and I'm not real technologically savvy, as I said. He said, Mom, get on Facebook tonight. I'm going live. I want you to see me. I had no idea what live was. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm playing football. And I said, oh, you joined a team? And he said, no, Mom, I'm playing football on Xbox. And I said, how do I do this? And he said, you just go on Facebook. You're going to see me. And I was like, okay. And he said, the name of it's Joe's Jungle. So I go on that night and I go to Joe's Jungle and my very quiet reserved son is saying, yo, 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 what's up, my peeps? Come on in. We're going to play some football. (laughs) And I'm dying laughing. And there's all these hearts going up and people are talking to him. About a week later, he calls me and he says, Mom, I've made $4,000 on Facebook. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, people pay me to watch me play. And I said, people are paying you to watch you play football on Xbox. And he said, yes. So fast forward to me getting the quilt shop. I called him one day and I said, could you help me go live for the quilt shop? And he said, mom, nobody wants to see a quilt shop. (laughs) (laughs) So after my first live, I called him that night and he was already asleep. And I left him a message and I said, Joey. Mommy made $400 last night with her quilt shop on Facebook. People do want to see quilt shops on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. It's amazing what's on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like we don't understand people paying to watch that football. He couldn't understand our quilts. Yes, yes. Oh, there is one more thing I'd like to tell you. Uh-huh. Back in April, I attended the Mountain Heritage Quilting Guild's meeting for my first time. And it was a Zoom meeting online. And they had a woman named Maggie McKicken. She was married to an Indian from the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. And she was telling the story of the Lakota Indians and the star quilt that they do. And she was showing the quilts, and she told us things that I would have never known. And I even told her that night, you've told us things tonight that you don't learn in a history book and you don't see on TV. She was telling us when somebody passes away with the Lakota, the person closest to them goes into reflection for a year, and they go inside and they don't leave their home for a year. And during that year, they make things for the people that meant the most to the person that died, whether the person making them like those people or not. And at the end of the year, they come out of reflection and come outside and they have a memorial. And they not only give away everything they made to the people they made them for, but they give away everything that person owned. Because to the Lakota, If you keep the things the person owned, those things meant more to you than the people that passed. Hmm. Due to just losing my late husband, we were split up, but I loved him with all my heart. Mm -hmm. It was very enlightening for me to see things that way. 
And it actually made me cry. And it made a lot of us cry that we're on the Zoom meeting that night. And somebody said to her, how do you afford the material? Because she made 48 quilts in one year. And they were beautiful, absolutely gorgeous quilts. And she said, well, it's very hard because a lot of the Lakota, they are a very poor nation. And the nearest Walmart or quilt shop is five hours away. And a lot of them don't own cars, so they have to go with other people. So you're trying to fit groceries in the car with a couple families, and you can only buy a yard here and a yard there of material. So that night I went to bed thinking, I own a quilt shop, and these people need material. So I called the guild the next day, and I said, would it offend them if I would do a drive and I will match up to two yards for everybody that comes in and buys material. And Connie that is also married to a Lakota Indian that lives in West Virginia. She said, no, it wouldn't offend them at all, Becky. So I called my boyfriend and I said, we're going to do this. And later on next year, I want to do a stash drive and I want to fill a trailer full of material people stashes and take it out to the Lakota Indians. Now, when I started the quilt shop, I had, of course, a stash of material from being a quilter. And my boyfriend said, you have enough material here to start a store now. Why are you buying new material? And I said, that's my stash. That's mine. (laughs) So when I told him I was going to do a stash call, he said, Becky, nobody has a stash like yours. And I said, you silly man, everybody has a stash that's a quilter like mine. So... We put the word out, and Maggie McKicken actually called me while I was on the phone telling Cecil I wanted to do this. And she said, Becky, you're not going to believe this. I had goosebumps, and I was in tears because she was calling me from South Dakota. And she said, I woke up this morning, and I called Connie, and I said, who was that little girl with the quilt shop? I want to see her quilt shop. So Connie told her, and she said, I got my coffee and I got on the computer and I looked up your quilt shop and I was reading the story about you and your husband and Connie called me back and she said, you think you were thinking about her? She was thinking about you and here's what she wants to do. So the Lakota invited us out for their powwow this year. So we did the stash call immediately. We filled a trailer. It was almost totally full of fabric. And machines that were donated, the girls in West Virginia just really came through. We had six machines donated. We had a serger donated. We had rulers and mats and cutters and everything, needles, everything you can think of, they brought. We took it to the Lakota Nation and attended their powwow, and they have a giving field where Everything that's donated during the year that's non-perishable, the Indians come through and get what they need. And these women were so appreciative and so wonderful. And I've got a lot of the videos on the Facebook site of the Giving Field and the TP that we got to help erect and sleep in. It was just a wonderful experience. But I am going to try because I found out later that I believe it's the Navajo project that French General does, which is very similar to what I did. I'm going to try to expand it like they have and get something that every year 
donations are sent to the Lakota. That would be so neat. Yeah, anybody that wants to help out with that, I will be putting that on our Facebook and trying to carry that forward. I am going to look at those pictures. That would be so cool. Yeah, and there's a video the morning we left. The teepee we were in, you can't see anything but planes around us. So it was kind of like you were back in time. And one of the women that was donated a machine and her husband, Bill, they came up and they sang songs in their native language, songs of prayer for us. And I just had to stand there and cry. It was the most beautiful thing in the world. And I was so touched that they would come and do that for us. Mm-hmm. That is such a neat story. Yes, yes. And what's great is it's not just a story, it's life. Yes, that's living the dream. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Becky, is there anything else you would like to share with me? I would just like to tell everybody, come on in, check us out, or come on Facebook and check us out. I'm also on Instagram now, but... I've got limited technological ability with Instagram, so I'm just learning it, but we are there. And I'd just like to tell everybody to come on in. Thank you to those that have been there and are helping me live my dream. And whether you're there or not, just go out and live your dreams because life is short and it needs to be happy. Mm-hmm. This was so much fun. Thank you for taking the time to visit with me. Oh, Paula, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me. Paula Chamberlain through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.